just like that, we are back. The views from Section 400 midweek show. We got another action-packed episode, as always. But it wouldn't be the world of sports if it wasn't hectic and crazy. You guys know the deal. I'm your host, Matt. My other two hosts, Jack and Brian, join me for, like I said, another action-packed episode. I can't wait to get into it. Brian, how you doing, man? Say what's up to the people. They want to know what's going on after that crazy weekend. Yeah, I was doing great. Um, Tommy DeVito, obviously. He, he's the man. Tommy Cutlets, Tommy Cold Cuts, whatever you want to call him. He's, he's won three in a row for the New York Giants. My team's fun to watch again. But as is the case with all New York sports and being a New York sports fan, I can't be happy for more than 24 hours. As Anthony DeComo broke the news today that Ronnie Mauricio would be undergoing surgery for a torn ACL he suffered in Winter Bowl. So a year after Edwin Diaz tears his ACL in the World Baseball Classic, our up-and-coming top-ranked prospect tears his ACL in the Dominican Winter League. Mets can't catch a break, man. That's tough, tough, tough news to have to hear. But, uh, hey, as a Phillies fan, let's go Phils. <laughs> um, Jack, over to you, man. Say what's up to the people. always love to uh, – jump over see what's going on so yeah, i know the jags had a tough sunday what's going on dude yeah it, w- it was a tough weekend for the boys uh jags lost some of the bets didn't hit uh monday night was rough too gave out tyreek hill props and he proceeded to get injured i mean i just i, I really couldn't catch a break this weekend um, but shout out Tommy Colcuts. I mean, I had some prosciutto for lunch today. Had to give it out to the boy. Got myself a nice uh, sandwich from the deli. So uh, I, I'm loving what he's bringing to New York Giant football. Uh, I didn't think I would say that. I, I kind of like him more than Eli Manning. Uh, Eli Manning was the biggest goofball in the world. So that says something. Uh, but yeah, I love the swagger that he's bringing. I love the uh, his agent with that black suit and top hat. Looks straight out of Brooklyn, straight out of the gangster movies. I mean, it was awesome. But uh no, I can uh, I can go on and on about how 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 cool he is, but it was a tough weekend overall for for the Jags and for me. Yeah, I I, I don't blame you, man. The uh birds got their ass handed to them for a second week in a row. So they got some digging deep and some figuring out to do. Obviously you can't go and fire the offensive coordinator uh mid-season like this uh if you bring in frank reich which a lot of people are calling for bring frank reich in. look the panthers are one at 12 i mean there's no reason to necessarily go run and hawk this guy down and get him on board uh bryce young looked horrible i get it it's different talent but let's pump the brakes on running and, and going to save your frank reich here because uh the panthers haven't looked particularly special so it's a tough spot because if you go and do a move like that and get frank reich it's a total panic move um which is which is not a great look either considering you still have uh or tied for the best record in the league or best record in the league however you want to put it so definitely don't want to start pulling panic moves uh, and at the same time frank reich the the, the panthers are one in 12 so I, i'm not on the go run and get this guy in here for his ideas it's, it's clearly not the greatest. Um, maybe next year, but let's let's just roll it out. And now apparently tough divisional battles against the Giants because Tommy Cold Cuts or Cutlets, whatever the hell they're calling him up there, has come to light. And I hate the Giants. I can't stand the Giants. 
but I will admit that was pretty fucking gangster with his uh with his agent on the sideline, man. That was pretty ice cold. I, I give credit where credit's due. That was uh that was unbelievable. He was making calls before the game too, trying to get <laughs> trying to get a contract extension or something. It was just dude, it was it was it was pretty ice cold, badass, gangster, whatever you want to call it. Um the guy played the part and, and he executed that part to a T as the Giants got a big win. Look, play play your way out of the top ten in the draft. I don't care because you're not doing anything in the playoffs. So play the way out of the draft. You got Daniel Jones still locked up to a contract. You know, Giants fans are like, oh, we'll get out of it uh next year. It's uh one of those contracts we can get right out of. Good luck with that. Yeah, I will say the Giants aren't making the playoffs. As much as I said in the TikTok yesterday, the birds should be rattled. Um, you know, I have faith that this seems like the arc where DeVito goes off in primetime. The team gets a big win in primetime. Then they play the Saints next week, a very beatable team. And that's kind of the culmination here. Maybe DeVito throws for like 250 and three touchdowns or something. And then he gets crowned. And then they go to Philadelphia and get stomped. What I will say about the Eagles, you mentioned the offense. The offense, what they weren't that bad on Sunday night. They had a lot of turnovers, but in terms of moving the ball, I think they did pretty well. Uh, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown not holding on to the ball. Jalen Hurts kind of hurt him. Uh, I think that defense is the, is the major issue. You brought in Shaquille. Don't call me Darius Leonard. He didn't really play. Darius Slay, I guess I'm not supposed to call him Darius either. Chris Collinsworth made that a big point on the broadcast. But he, he didn't look great. C.D. Lamb had a good game. So I think the defense is more what you should be concerned about as an Eagles fan. I just think with the offense, the play calling is vanilla. The routes are not complicated. I mean, you, you, there was a report out there by one of the Eagles beat, beat, beat writers. And, again, they didn't mention names, but this has A.J. Brown written all over it, uh, basically saying how the route tree is very simple – there's not a lot of movement going on. The Cowboys were running their routes. The, the, just the route combinations and the way they were being ran and the way the ball was getting out was a lot quicker. And the Eagles, you know, offense has been very vanilla with the play calling, the route the route combinations that, that have been called. Um, and that's a report. I, they didn't say what wide receiver said that. But that's an eight, that's it that has AJ Brown written all over it. Of course it does. So of course. um I would I would say he was the one who probably leaked that out. And hey, look, it, it has been very vanilla. They've been struggling to run the ball behind this almighty, we have the best O line, and it's been a struggle to move the ball in the run game. And they have they have hurts, they they live and die with that RPO and sitting back there. 99 i mean i don't think he goes under center at all i think hurts as a big body quarterback you could run some really deceiving play action passing uh with him hiding the ball behind his thigh and they just don't do that at all hurts does not go under center so in terms of, of play uh, play calling and the offense looking vanilla it, it is a little predictable and that's how teams have, have been able to stop them um in terms of the defense yeah you're right i just look at the offense because in this NFL, it's the offense that wins you games, not the defense. I don't care what anybody said. Defense wins championships. The offense in the new NFL is how you win championships. Perfect example last year. Mahomes' defense couldn't stop shit, but they outscored everybody. The offense has to get clicking. You're not going to have an amazing defense that's going to stop some of these high-powered offenses once you get into the postseason. So 
you, the offense has to figure it out. Yeah, sure, the defense has its holes uh, with injuries as well. Um, but I think there's a route for them to possibly turn it around. It, it hurt not having your best safety and Reed Blankenship go down early with an injury on Sunday. That doesn't help. Um, and I think it's showing that losing uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson didn't help either, but he was just asking for way too much money. So, And he didn't even get that contract that he was asking for. So and now he's on IR. And now he's on IR on a one-year $8 million deal with the Lions. I don't know what team's going to go hand over a lot of money in the offseason. Maybe he comes back to the Eagles and realizes, uh, hey, let me just go play football and shut up. But that's between him, his agent, and God. So we'll leave that alone. The Eagles need to figure it out, whether you want to critique the offense, the defense. A whole team, 53-man roster effort, including the coaching staff, needs to get it together. And needs to get it together quick because we got only four games left. And you now have another tough road battle against the Seahawks, who have clearly shown to be competent. And I am just fully already just to be irritated on Monday night with whatever whatever they throw out there. But I'm not going to try to overreact too much. That's my Eagles NFL talk. So I'll leave it at that for the Eagles. Jack, did you want to critique your Jags at all after – you know, Trevor Lawrence was out all week. Then he plays last second, kind of sort of last second. It was definitely late in the week report that he was going to play. Played well enough for the, you know, crappy weather that was in Cleveland. The, the Sort over the, the over-under. Joe Flacco looked like prime Joe Flacco. And Trevor Lawrence seemed to keep up uh, a little bit in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Browns are a top 10 team in the NFL right now. But they are trotting Joe Flacco out there. And Joe Flacco, you know, I'll give him some credit. This two straight weeks that he's gotten the start, two straight weeks he's balled and brought them to win. So can't really fault him. You know, talk talk bad about him. He's he's really coming on right now in, you know, whatever it is here, 12 or something like that. Joe Flacco was once elite, and he might be elite once again. But coming back to my Jags, the defense, you know, something happened uh during that bye week to this defense we're we've been two and three since the bye week over the last five games those two wins against the, the texans and the titans you know divisional games so those are important wins and i'm happy we got them but three losses outside of the division outside of that four games left in the season we play the ravens this week and then the next three against you know very winnable teams so i think we could finish the season out three and one pretty much guaranteeing us first place in the division. But, you know, the, the defense really needs to figure it out. We've been absolutely decimated by Joe Flacco and then Jake Browning over the past two weeks. Uh, and it's it's really just it's, – it's not looking good. It's, it's not looking good at all. Uh, we've got injuries on the offense. Christian Kirk was out. Uh, he, he just hit the IR. He's going to be out for four to six weeks. They were saying, I saw a report, he might not be back until the AFC Championship a couple, couple weeks away, a couple months away. But you know, when the Jags get there, it'll be good to have Christian Kirk back for that. Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 50 times. Uh, he only completed a little over half of those. You know, he had a decent day, but uh, Evan Ingram, he had an awesome day catching 11 passes on 12 targets. He had two touchdowns, I believe almost 100 yards, if not a little over 100 yards in this one. And then, you know, he 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 was the one shining light for the Jags. Uh, the other two big receivers in this game, Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley, both had over 10 targets and both had, I think, like three, three and four catches. Really couldn't get anything completed on this Browns defense. And 
it'll be easier sledding. Well, we have the Ravens this next week, so can't say it'll be much easier sledding. But uh, I really hope the Jazz, the Jags can figure it out on offense because the run game was abysmal. I think Travis Etienne was averaging two and a half or maybe three and a half yards per carry. Nothing big. I think he finished with 35 yards, 10 attempts maybe. So we really couldn't get much going on the ground. Trevor Lawrence did what he could in the air, but really wasn't all that efficient. Defense got decimated. It's just a really tough day for the Jags. You mentioned Calvin Ridley. There was an interception Lawrence had. I think Ridley was running a slant, and he was wide open in kind of a zone coverage. <laughs> he just kept running. And Lawrence threw it directly behind him, but they kind of shared a moment. But they both looked at each other and were like, what the fuck are we doing? I think that kind of explains what the Jags season has come to these last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, that, that especially having Calvin Ridley on my fantasy team and hoping to not come in last place, that's tough to see. Tough get as uh, we got a, uh, we got a big tomato bracket uh, ahead of us, Brian. So not, not looking forward to that as I got snubbed from the playoffs after losing four straight and lost my final game, a win and a in, and I lost by one point. So an absolute tragic, tragic end of the season. Pirate's favorite kicker, too. Yeah, favorite kicker, Jake Elliott, banging field goals left, right, and center. <laughs> Wicked curve on balls just right through the uprights. Like, dude, you guys got blown out. Couldn't help me out there, Jake? Uh, anyway, but other news in the NFL – we do have Patrick Mahomes whining like a little girl about the, the flag, which, look, I know the Eagles lost on a, on a flag last year, so it's just so rich coming from Mahomes to to make to, – to just make, like, such a scene about it and whine and complain and even in the press conference about the refs, which he basically won a Super Bowl on the backs of a ref last year. So pretty ridiculous there, but, I mean – it is uh, just watching that another play that ended my playoff hopes in the in the uh in the fantasy playoffs as well. There's a lot of crazy stuff that happened this weekend that I'm I'm still just sick to my stomach about. But yeah, it, it, that, that was an unbelievable play. I mean, the fact that it did have to come off from a flag does suck, regardless of what Mahomes is saying. Like you know, screw Mahomes, go be uh you know whine about it elsewhere. But that play was unbelievable. The IQ of Travis Kelsey, I really don't think that was made up. I don't think they correlated that beforehand. I don't know if anything came out saying they did, but I just – that was an unbelievable play. It sucks that it had to come off the board. Um, also cost me a spot in the playoffs, so it hurts a little harder. But, I mean, that play was unbelievable. So, other than that whole aspect, Mahomes can go keep crying like a little girl. He's just rattled because he doesn't have a cakewalk to the uh, Super Bowl this year. And his receivers are horrible. His O-line isn't particularly amazing. And they're a little bit in shambles because the defense isn't great either. So they got a lot to figure out. Yeah, what do you guys think? I guess there's three-way tie in the AFC, and teams can get in in the NFC. So I'll start with you first, Brian. Browns, 80%, they're probably in. We'll skip them. But then you have the Texans, Bills, Colts and Broncos and the Bills are now back into the conversation out of those four teams who gets into the AFC playoffs so yeah you mentioned the Browns uh they're in with that win it's going to take a lot it's probably going to have to take Joe Flacco breaking every leg or I guess there's only two breaking both legs <laughs> and then them having to start DTR but yeah Flacco seems competent enough with that defense to make the playoffs so then you're with the Texans, who C.J. Stroud can cuss now. 
Davis Mills is not going to win them a game. So even if Stroud misses a game, that's going to plummet their chances. Then you have the Bills and the Colts. And the Colts look bad last week. The Bills obviously look great, but the Bills have a tough schedule. So when I'm looking at this, I'm going to tell you the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans because C.J. Stroud is going to come back this week. So those are, those are my two teams I think will sneak in there. Got banged up on the C.J. Stroud plays this past weekend. Thanks, C.J. All my hope and dreams into you this whole year, man. I go watch you play. You like goose egg. And, well, I guess it's not your fault because it's the defense's fault, but how the hell did Zach Wilson throw for 300 passing yards? In the rain. <laughs> That's absurd. pouring rain. It was pouring rain. And he throws for 300 passing yards. So that was unbelievable. Jack, who gets into the AFC playoffs out of those teams we just talked about? I hate to say it, but it's going to be the Texans for sure. I mean, they're CJ Stroud keeps them in every game as long as he doesn't, you know, miss an extended amount of time. You know, there's really not that many games left. So if he's missing too much, one or two games, that that might take it out of the equation. But uh, with CJ Stroud, the Texans are definitely better than this bunch. The Steelers, you don't have to worry about. The Broncos have a shot. I'll give them that. Colts have a shot. I'll give them that, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go square here. I mean, I, I think the Bills are gonna find a way to get in there. I don't think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are gonna enjoy, uh, you know, not making the postseason. I think that they're gonna do something, figure something out this week, right here, right now, and uh, really make sure that their team gets gets a bit into that postseason. How far they go, you know, they could lose first round, but just getting to that postseason, I, I bet is something that they will accomplish. Yeah, and if they miss the playoffs, McDermott's job might be on the line. I mean, if they don't get in, it can they be already a have a they already have an out. If he's underperforming, he kind of had that story about him comparing the tactics of the hijackers in the nine eleven. Yeah, it's just a weird scene going on over up there in Buffalo. But he, if they miss the playoffs, that could be the end of his tenure up there. But. Look, the AFC playoff picture, obviously wide open. The Browns, 80% chance they're probably going to get in. And this is like an extreme hot take. But Joe Flacco with oh. a, with an elite oh. defense? Dude, they're, they're a dark horse sleeper. They are a dark horse sleeper coming out of the AFC. And I thought I would not say that. But, Brian, the guy's thrown for 250-plus yards, two straight weeks, two TDs. Two He's weeks ago. Enough Two weeks ago, you were saying there's three teams that could win the Super Bowl, and now you're saying Joe Flacco is going to – That was – well, first of all, that was a month ago. That was before Thanksgiving. That was before Joe Flacco was elite for that the second. That was before Joe That's Flacco uh, was even back in the conversation. Second of all, the NFL landscape has drastically and dramatically flipped – completely changed since I went on that rant at that time. I think I was, you know, maybe a little on, on, on the more hard side and, and more crazy take, which whatever I stand by it. But like I just said, it is completely changed. Like the NFL landscape has done a full 180. And I think if you got to pick a dark horse or pick a sleeper, I don't know what the lines are at all are, but, I just think Joe Flacco, all that experience, good O-line, good run game, competent wide receivers, and a top – I mean, what's the Browns' defense, top three in the NFL? I think was, you can agree that it's top three. 
They are very, very good. Very good. And Miles Garrett, uh, I think, is definitely given a run for defensive player of the year. So they're legit. That defense is loaded. And Flacco's showing that he can, you know, competently throw for 250 plus yards and a couple TDs in there. So I'm just saying, if you want a dark horse for some value, the Browns aren't the end of the world play. We'll look back on this in a month when Flacco's uh, in the divisional round taking on the Ravens in Baltimore, oh going in there, dicing them up. Fire. I would talk love Talk about the storyline, dude. That would be unbelievable. <laughs> it's a storyline league. Never forget that. Storyline league. It's always scripted. It's always so, scripted, Brian. We got always so. scripted. The, the Browns are the number one defense right now, giving up 263 yards a game. Obviously, if you talk about the AFC, you got to jump into the NFC. Divisions seem to be pretty much set. Obviously, the NFC East, the Cowboys and the Eagles both will make the playoffs. But who's going to get the two seed or the one seed? Um, and who's going to get, you know, the five seed? We have the Vikings, Packers, Rams, with probably up there with the better shots to get in. And the Seahawks are still clinging on for dear life i think they're around in the 30s 30 percent shot to get in but they have some weird tiebreaker stuff that they need to go their way in order to actually get in look the vikings probably have the best shot just because of their record and i don't think they have an incredibly like hard schedule the rest of the way um they also haven't looked great and justin jefferson didn't he get injured again as well so some stuff to look at there um i think the packers got a shot the Packers obviously lost last night, but again, playing motivated football is a tough loss on the road Monday night primetime. I think they got a good shot. And the Los Angeles Rams are red hot. This is the Rams team I thought I was going to see week one of the NFL uh, season. Didn't think it'd take this long for them to get going, but they've always been a ta- talented team. Obviously, the uh, offense is, is pretty loaded with Stafford, Cooper Cup, um, you know, the arrival of Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, he's come on strong uh, as of late and really just a nice a nice blooming player for them this year. So they're really starting to click on all cylinders. Obviously, they play no defense. Their defense is atrocious. So that's something that will bode well for them if they do make the playoffs. But I think they got a real shot to sneak in here and obviously already got a better shot than the Seahawks, who looked like they would be the team to kind of be in the mix there. But look out for the Rams. Without further ado, Jack, uh, how are you reading this NFC playoff picture? Yeah, no, I also love the Rams to make the playoffs this year. I think Stafford, Kyron Williams, Puka, Cooper Cup, it's just a, it's a mix that's working right now. McVay's a great coach. I think that they're going to be able to get it done when it's all said and done. I also, did you guys see that clip of Aaron Donald getting triple teamed uh, this past week? I mean, they, they had – Three guys around Aaron Donald, basically boxing him in and just trying to, you know, stay up in front of him. It was hilarious. I mean, it reminded me of when Calvin Johnson had two guys lined up on him on the goal line, like he was like a, a punt gunner. I mean, just just hilarious stuff. I love it, you know, to see that dominance and to require that triple team. So, I think when you look at this Rams defense, yeah, they're spotty. They'll make plays at times, but at the end of the day, they do have big Aaron Donald, number 99. And when it comes playoff time, if they make it there, you know, he's going to be ready to wreck games. So never count them out. That's all I'm going to say. I like them. 
Don't like the Vikings at all. I mean, we're moving. They they benched Josh Dobbs for Nick Mullins. He's supposed to get the start this week. Justin Jefferson can't seem to stay healthy. Jordan Addison has kind of fallen off the map as of late. I don't really know what's going on there, but ever since the Kirk Cousins injury, I guess uh, he's sort of fallen off the map. Still don't understand why they're using KJ Osborne. The dude is a very physical guy. He's a freak in nature, but he's got stone hands and he's terrible. And he drops five passes a game that make you go, why is this guy an NFL receiver? Might be a little harsh, but he's one of those blocking wide receivers. You stick him on the end and you run the swing, the, the, the pitches out to the outside and have him block. Moving on from that, uh, I'm going to go with the Rams. And I guess I'll go with the Packers. I mean, I don't think that the Seahawks, even though I love their roster, I don't think they're going to be able to get it done with their schedule closing out the year. I think that they lost some key games early on in the year that if they had won, they'd be in a better position now and we'd be talking about them getting in, but not with what their future schedule looks like to close out the season. So I'm going with the Rams, the Packers, uh, to close out the wild card after what I expect to be the Cowboys uh, or, or the or the Eagles. So. Uh, that's that's going to be what I think the NFC playoff picture looks like. Before we move on, Brian, obviously want to see uh, who you got kind of sneaking in here. Yeah, so I know we've seen some weird quarterbacks this year, and I know weird quarterbacks have made the playoffs in the past. But I draw the line at Nick Mullins. That guy cannot make the postseason. He cannot be. He cannot record stats in a postseason game. I refuse to admit Nick Mullins will do that. So the Vikings are done. Then you guys talked about the Rams. I like the Rams. I think their offense is good enough, and the defense with Aaron Donald is also good enough. So they're in. Besides that, I don't really like any of these teams. So if Tommy Cutlets can beat the New Orleans Saints this weekend and get Bro. the Giants to 6-7, and seven, I am completely ready to get my heart broken again. But I won't, ta- I won't take the Giants just yet. But just know... If they beat the Saints this weekend, I might have to buy a Tommy Cutlets jersey. I might come into this podcast and be ready to claim them Super Bowl champions. But to answer your question, it's probably going to be the Rams and the Packers. I don't even know how to address that Giants take. So hopefully just Derek Carr, get the job done on Sunday, man. (laughs) Moving on. Stay tuned, though, for this week. Obviously, we'll jump into more NFL-related topics, headlines, breakdown i'm looking to go red hot on the slate for picks i was ice cold last week and obviously i've had a lot of juice on the eagles so i haven't really been taking the betting too serious which is a disservice to you guys so just know this weekend i'm locked in on the bets for the whole slate we have saturday sunday and monday games so we'll have you covered for every game of the slate i want to jump over to a little bit of mlb free agency because we had some big players Come off the board. Obviously, the big Soto trade where it kind of seems like the Yankees fleeced the Padres because they didn't get great MLB-ready talent back. I know they got some prospects, which first glance just seem like okay prospects. There's no, like, heavy, heavy hitter prospects that they got in return. And, you know, they got a nice arm in Michael King who can be solid for them, I guess. But Juan Soto is you know, an MLB superstar and his power numbers were a little down. His average was down a lot, but the guy still got like a 500 OBP. And that's, if you're getting on base, especially in the MLB, that's all that matters. And you're getting on base close to 50% of the time. You want that in your lineup. And 
to have the short porch and right, like I've, I've mentioned before, the Yankees play in the Little League, Little League World Series Stadium. They just teleported it from from Williamsport, uh, and now it's in the Bronx. So with the small field, the minor league field, Soto should be able to crank home runs left, right, and center. Um, opposite field and in that short porch and right. But the biggest thing for the whole Soto, Soto saga and for the Yankees is, is this a one-year rental? Or are they going to look to re-sign them? And I'll jump over to you, Brian, with the Mets hat on. Do we see the Mets make a play after his one year in the Bronx? Or do they just kind of give him maybe a couple-month trial period? He puts on a show, and then Cashman's kind of forced to give him the big contract. I mean, is this a rental piece? Or is Soto, you know, staying, staying in Bronx for the rest of his career? Yeah, I don't think you make that trade if you're Brian Cashman, if you're not at least going to try to sign him long-term. Uh, we'll see if Soto enjoys his time in New York. I'm sure he will. Um, and it's going to be a perfect ballpark for him, a little league ballpark. He can juice up his career home run totals. And as bad as the Yankees have been in terms of being frauds the past decade, they're still a team you'd think of as a team that could win the World Series every year. So I think Soto's going to like being there. I will say we reacted to the Soto news as well. We'll get into Otani. Uh, both of them are on our Spotify and Apple uh, emergency podcast we started doing those so for an extended uh, discussion about both these deals go check those out uh, yeah but my last thing on Soto I do think they try to resign him I think Soto ultimately does it for the sole purpose that his home run totals can be juiced up in that ballpark Jack did you want to add anything on the uh, on the Soto Soto breaking news uh, obviously a pretty big piece moving across the country over to the Bronx yeah no doubt about it I mean the, the Yankees they... This is nothing new for them. They 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 see something shiny, they want it, they buy it. It'd be as simple as that, right? Uh, that's been the Yankees for however long now, probably longer than I've been alive, and uh, that's that's nothing new. I will say, you know, to your point, Juan Soto is an MLB superstar. You know, you don't always have a stellar year. You know, sometimes you dip, sometimes you come back the next year and you're, you're back to MVP levels. So. Uh, he's shown it before with the Nats, with the Padres. You know, he's a good, he's a damn good baseball player. And uh, it's going to be electric to see him up in uh, New York this this upcoming season. Yeah, he uh, he should have a great year. Like Brian said, I think I think he'll probably enjoy his time there. Will he want to stay there? I, it's obviously too early to be seen, but that'd be wild if he only goes there for a one-year rental. The Yankees obviously have a good amount of money to play with, so – I see them most likely resigning them because, like you said, Brian, really weird, weird move. Although they didn't give up a lot of crazy shit to get them, but it, it would be a weird move to make to to just have them for a year and then let them walk. But got to be honest, man, I've been thinking about baseball the last couple of days here in these moves and, and starting, to, starting to itch for it to get back. So I know we still got some time, but definitely, definitely itching for baseball. Uh, obviously, Shohei Otani. $700 million contract over 10 years. Dodgers got their guy, but I did see a weird thing or a weird report or, or just basically a breakdown of the contract where it is very backloaded and the Dodgers are only paying like $2 million a year. And then after the 10 years, we'll then start paying him all his money. So I think that was wild that they were able to work out some kind of deal. And I know he has crazy endorsements and he's already probably making crazy money in Japan for whatever endorsements he's doing over there as well. So he's probably good on money regardless. 
Um, and he still is getting the t- extra two million a year from the Dodgers, and then obviously is totally financially secure after the ten year contract is over when he's like forty years old. Then it'll kick in with with crazy payments. But yeah, I mean, Brian, what's the uh, what's kind of a little bit of a reaction? What do you think? And uh, what do you got on uh, obviously probably the best player in baseball uh, signing with the LA Dodgers? Yeah, you mentioned the backloaded contract. Leave it to the Dodgers to make a Bobby Bonilla move, and it looks good. But, yeah, they have money to play with. You said the Yankees have money to play with the Dodgers. They just signed a superstar for $2 million a year, basically. Uh, and then they'll worry about the $68 million later. But for now, th- there's reports they're going to go after Yamamoto, and Yamamoto would obviously want to play with his countrymen. I, I'm I'm rattled. They they want to build a super team, and Otani just gave them all kinds of the ability to do so. I've been this whole offseason really confidently saying the Mets are the favorite for Yamamoto. Senga is going to bring him over. Now I'm not so sure. And he's really the only thing I wanted this offseason. So if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be in sad boy hours until February. I'm going to be honest with you, man. Otani's a freak player, but the one that I'm interested in is Mike Trout. I mean, he's been in the league for 10 years. He's been at all-star level, MVP level for pretty much those 10 years. These are two of the best players in baseball, and the Angels couldn't build around them and get it done. I mean, what are what are we doing over in Anaheim? What are we doing? The the GM has no idea what's going on. I mean, they had guys like who was it? Phil Nevin was the manager. I mean, these just bozo managers who were Mickey Callaway. Mickey, I mean, just bozo clown managers who were running the show out there. That didn't help with obviously critical decision making, lineup cards, and who to put in pitching wise in the bullpen. Uh, you know, in different spots as the game rolls on. So that probably didn't help. The other part is you mentioned Otani and Trout. And then after that, their lineup was pretty god-awful. I know they might have had like a piece here and there, Logan O'Hoppy, Jared Walsh, David Brandon Dr- Brandon Dr- Stop it. That guy that guy is not an MLB hitter. That guy cannot He's hit. He's good. I like David Fletcher. He's a nice – he, he might might be okay in the field. The guy cannot hit. He barely can hit the ball to the infield. I'm not – no, you're not – I'm not going on a David Fletcher rant. The guy can't hit the ball. He doesn't He doesn't hit for average. 270 hitter. I don't care. He's not, he's not a piece that I would want. Built, like, you can get a better shortstop than David frickin' Fletcher to put around these guys, and I'm going to leave it at that. I can't believe you're advocating for David Fletcher. 270 I love him hitter. on the Mets. I would love okay, David Okay, go Fletcher. sign him. Go sign him. I he'd, think be he's worse than, he'd be worse than Guillaume. <laughs> yeah, um, all I'm saying is I feel bad for the Jersey boy, Mike Trout, man. I He's just been one of the best in the league. He came in as one of the best prospects. He's been a killer in the league forever. And hasn't gotten anything done. I mean, I just – it's not really on him. Baseball is a team sport. I mean, it's nine guys up that go up to bat. There's nine guys out there in the field that, that got to get the job done. So – I get it. Uh, it's, it's not all on him, but I just I feel so bad for him and how, you know, he's gotten no postseason appearances. He's got no you know real credentials when it comes to it. I mean, everybody in every sport nowadays, it's all about the championships. Everybody knows that. I mean, come on. Whatever. He's making a boatload of money. He's not going to win shit. Go be locked in for the Angels. Your managers have been dog shit. The GM is dog shit. The owner probably is no better than the Oakland A's. He just puts a little bit more money into it. But I wouldn't be surprised if they're both just absolute <laughs> morons. Um, and 
it's it's what it is. So, Mike Trout, I did feel bad for you. You had an opportunity to possibly come over to the Phillies. Harper was doing a little recruiting, tampering, whatever you want to call it. And you stuck your middle finger up. And now you can shovel that money up your ass because you're not going to win anything. So, well, anyway, where's Yamamoto going, dude? Because he sounds like he's not signing with the Mets anymore. Look, if the Mets don't sign him, they are – like beyond rattled on the mound, <laughs> like Kodai Sanga, and then nobody after that. Severino, it'd be like, Kodai Sanga, uh, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, David Peterson, and Tyler McGill. Yeah, and then maybe I mean I think that would just force Steve Cohen's hand to go grab Blake Snell. I think it literally would force him to have to go make that move because you can't go in. And 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 be Kodai Senga, Severino, and Quintana, who I guess yeah, nice pitcher. He is not a number two. And if that guy's starting in, in in as a number two pitcher in the playoffs, if I'm the opposing team, I'm I'm licking my chops because if he comes anywhere near the strike zone, he's getting rocked. They have to definitely make some moves because their pitching is still in shambles. I don't care if they signed Severino a one year deal. They got a lot of work to still do. And now that Ronnie Mauricio's knee blew up. Uh, I guess Matt Chapman would be nice in Queens and uh, an outfielder. Preferably not Hunter Renfro because Matt made a good point. If he gets on the Mets, he's hitting 170 in his ridiculously large sunglasses during day games. That would just, dude, I'm telling you, just like has that aesthetic to him where like he would have the shades on, batting horrendously. I I just, I picture it on SNY right now, the Mets broadcast. I don't know why, it's just... Such a clear, vivid picture in my head. Keith Hernandez uh, just roasting him. Just roasting him. Got, you know, saying something like, well, this guy should take his glasses off and maybe he'll be able to hit a baseball batting 173 his last 10 games as Renfro takes the first one over the plate for a strike. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that'd be some good stuff. Would love to see it. But some moves to make. I don't really have much of a Phillies wish list. Um, you know, maybe add a bullpen arm. Would love Hater. Uh, still need a right-handed bat. I think maybe a left. I think you need 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 a right-handed bat at the bottom of the lineup. Still, um, I don't know who's out there to go grab, but I wouldn't mind another pitcher. You can you can never be hurt with pitching help. But again, Taewon Walker, who you signed for seventy four million over four years, didn't pitch an inning in the postseason. <laughs> So maybe we work on him. He, he was he was heated too after that. Oh, he was he was tweet, not he was liking tweets, retweeting tweets, like tweeting out he was pissed. And for every right, I mean, look, it'd be one thing. The other thing, Phillies just won baseball games when he pitched. He might have let up a lot of runs, but shit, they they won games. Um, so I, just to not even give him a look. And to give guys like Christopher Sanchez, who does have a nasty changeup, one of the best in baseball, we'll give him that. But to give Christopher, like, why can't you piggyback Walker on Sanchez or vice versa? I don't, I just, just to not even give the guy a look, the guy gave $75 million guaranteed dollars to over four years, doesn't even get a look. Wild, wild decision making. Let's maybe try and figure him out and get him ready to go because probably could have used him last year as you choked away the NLCS. College football. Obviously, nobody tuned in the FCS playoffs, but Villanova did lose to South Dakota State, but it was only 10-9 at halftime, and they were playing very, very well. 
you know, during that game. South Dakota State's a team that is possibly, you know, pushing to, to get jumped up to that next level. And I know you laugh, Brian. Look at a team like JMU who is in the CAA, in FCS, and now they just jumped up to the next level, and they're a ranked team and undefeated and have a, have a great program going. So the fact you laugh at FCS football when teams get promoted to that next level of FBS and are now ranked. I'm not, I'm not laughing at FCS football as a whole. I'm laughing at the one clip I saw from the Villanova game was North, uh, South Dakota State blocking a punt and returning it for six points. And that's yeah. all I needed to see from that game. That was what, that was what killed, killed, uh, killed it for Nova. So it was, look, it was, the wind was like 40 miles an hour. It was 20 degrees. So uh, that weather honestly probably favored Nova. If it was perfect conditions, they'd probably get blown out. Um, but the defense played well. They 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 tried to keep it close, uh, and they battled. So um, is what it is. Back to what Brian calls what people care about in college football. We had the Army-Navy game, which was a shit show, as expected. It's never high scoring. It's always a defensive battle. Um, looked to be over late. Navy somehow wiggled their way back into like, oh my gosh, they're on the one yard line with the chance to score. I don't really know how that all happened so quick, but they just worked their way uh, down there and, you know, weren't able to convert, uh, what was it, fourth and goal from the one and they didn't yep. get it. And uh, and then Army just kind of took the safety uh, knee, which I did see cash the over, which is also wild, a very wild play pretty wild if you're betting the over in that game, but it did hit. No, that was, I, I did watch that army Navy game and that was just such a bad beat for anybody who is traditional, uh, you know, follows the patterns of how every army Navy game pretty much always goes under. Uh, you know, if, if you're betting trends and, and you're expecting that at the very end of the game, I think it was as time expired. Uh, I think he ran out the back of the end zone for the safety. It's, it's like, bro, like, come on. You could you could just throw an incomplete pass and I win my bet, but you decide to pull a move, a, a one out of a hundred move and run out the back of it. It's like, come on. So no, no, no real reaction from this game. I mean, it was it was a tough football game as as you would expect from Army and Navy, but uh just for betters out there, this was just such a bad beat for someone. I'm damn sure about it. Yeah, totally a bad beat. Um just want to say, you know, respect to all the service men and women in the country. Obviously, love my country and always have the utmost respect for those service men and women who put their lives on the line to protect our great nation. Brian, any instant reaction from that? As I know you were just, I think on the last pod, you said you were going to be fully tuned into the Army-Navy game. So, Yeah, I think somebody on the Army staff, maybe their defensive coordinator, maybe the higher-ups, somebody had the over. Because on that last drive, they were playing 15 yards off off coverage and let Navy dink and dunk their way to the one-yard line. And then they got to stop, made it sure the refs gave them the ball back with like two seconds left, didn't throw it up out of bounds, didn't do anything, ran out of the back of the end zone to cast the over. So I don't know what kind of Lockheed Martin missiles they got to buy or what's going on over there. But I think someone on Army had the over. Refrain from betting on that game because, like Jack says, it normally goes under and life's too short to bet the under. Such an ugly game to bet on. I stayed far away from that. But Yeah, so really exciting stuff. Obviously, it's the holiday season. We got college football bowls coming up. Didn't have any this weekend, but they're starting on Saturday. So what we're going to do here at Views from 400, we're going to do the 12 days of bowl miss. 
So every day for 12 days, starting with JMU and Air Force on December 22nd, we're going to bring on guests, alumni from all the schools, bunch of bowl games. We'll still have the NFL pod. We'll have some guests on for that as well. Uh, just little episodes, 20, 25 minutes going over the bowl games, talking to the guests, seeing what their experience at the school was like, what they're liking, how they like the football team. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of good content coming up, and it's all going to culminate with a live show of us reacting to the college football playoff semifinals. So definitely look out for that starting on December 22nd, every day for 12 days. Everybody get locked in because it's going to be some great content to close out the year and get us ready for just an absolutely explosion of a, of a 2024. So obviously super hype about that and can't, can't wait to get it rolling. Yeah, as always, you know, we're going to give you that good analysis on all the bowl games, and we're going to give you some good characters as well. You guys are going to look forward to some of these guests we're bringing on. A lot of juice, a lot of energy. It's going to be a fun time over here at Section 400. Yeah, definitely uh, definitely look out for it because, like like everybody kind of just said, it's going to be electric. guess we can jump over to the NBA. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers win the in-season tournament. Looking back on this two months ago, it's like, yeah, how would you not guess that LeBron's going to win the in-season tournament so they can just make it a whole headline and make it a whole thing. So I'm really probably give him his last piece of hardware because the Lakers aren't winning it all this year. I don't care what anybody says. I don't, I don't want to hear it with LeBron. He just I don't think he has enough in the tank to uh to carry a team to it to a finals victory, win, win a series in the finals. I just think the NBA is too quick and too good uh for for what he is at his age. It's not taken away from his career. That's not hating. That's just what it is in real time at this point in time. So like I said, no hate there, but obviously Adam Silver had to give a little uh little love to LeBron for uh Whatever they want to try and say the in-season tournament is, they said they want to increase viewership, and they had the two semifinal games like during the workday. So just really weird scheduling by, by the NBA. I'm usually not even tuned into the regular season. Obviously, as a Sixers fan, second-round exits are, are just obviously on repeat for us, so I'm just not even – not even tuning into anything crazy. I'm just fully expecting the second round exit. Shit, they might lose in the first round this year for all I know. Uh, but I'm not going to be a crazy Sixers hardo on that. Brian, give us a breakdown. Would you love? Would you hate? Um, should the NBA bring this back? Uh, yeah, so I'm excited this is over, but I'm also sad it's over. I will say now the in-season tournament's done with, we are going to try to put the NBA to bed as much as we can with the NFL playoffs heating up here. And college basketball is our favorite basketball. So won't be as much NBA content. Sorry if you're a big fan. But so I like I liked the tournament as a whole. I think it's stupid that they gave out medals to the Lakers. I think it's great they gave out 500K to the Lakers. Uh, it's also dumb they didn't get an auto bid to the postseason. I think that's something that should be implemented next year. I'm not sure how you would do the logistics of it, but I think that should be should be a thing. The fact the stats didn't count in the championship game are gross. One, for fantasy basketball purposes, I needed Tyrese Halliburton to get me some points. Also, Anthony Davis was the third Laker ever to get 40, 20, and 5 in a game, and that's just not going to count. So that's that's cool for Anthony Davis. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, in terms of the tournament as a whole, I liked it. I thought it was good seeing guys like Tyrese Halliburton get a spotlight, something that's going to come back. And I think now that LeBron won it, more players, more stars at least, are going to try to win it for their role players in the future. 
But kind of just running down the NBA here, big storylines. The Detroit Pistons have lost 20 games in a row, just as everybody probably expected because that team is gross. Uh, the Orlando Magic, something people didn't expect. I know, Matt, you kind of touched on it last week. They're the two seed. <laughs> They're a wagon. Good. They're an absolute wagon. They, they don't lose. It's pretty incredible. They're right behind the Celtics. I think they're a game behind Boston right now for that one seed in the East. And no signs of slowing down. So good for them. Also in the two seed in the West are Thunder. I guess the girl that Josh Giddy allegedly slept with, that's just not – she's not going to talk. So he's playing basketball. So the Thunder are at full force and <laughs> we're still going. But – yeah, that's pretty much everything here. The Timberwolves are still the one seed in the West. They're great defense, lead the league in defensive efficiency, but everything else is kind of what you would expect so far. Yeah, basically, I couldn't have said it any better myself as I've been just so locked into this nonsense. Uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, dude, the, the Magic are, are kind of that team who you could see be like a one-two seed, have an amazing year, nobody expected it, and then like choke out in the first round, so – Obviously, it's a nice start for them. We'll see if they keep it up as we're still pretty early in the uh, NBA season. But um, totally see them being a team that, like, flounders out in the first round. So, want to get too crazy on them. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. They've been so bad for the last five or ten, however many years. Uh, so, I guess good for them and their fan base if they even really have one down there in Orlando. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Can't, can't imagine it's anything crazy. As yeah, uh, I know one Magic fan. Shout out Nick Brown. Well, there you go. There's the one Magic fan. Doesn't seem like they have a crazy fan base or, or that much of a fan base. But, yeah, the NBA, we really want to stick to college basketball because that's our bread and butter, at least for handing out picks. I do want to jump into college basketball. Uh, it's been, honestly, a pretty hectic season, but kind of under the radar at the same time. Hasn't really been anything too, too crazy going on. I don't know if it's because maybe the NBA did dominate with with their in-season tournament and drawing everybody's attention, but we are either starting conference play or less than a week away from conference play starting. So college basketball is about to be in full swing. Extremely excited for that. Let you take it away, Brian. There's a bunch of news in there. I know Bronny James is on the cards to return. Why don't you run us through it and, uh, and we can just kind of see what we got going on. Yeah, so Bronny James did come back for USC. The USC team, I said, had a chance to win it all as my sleeper. They're 5-4. and four. Uh, They lost to Long Beach State in his return. Played 17 minutes, uh, 4 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists. So it kind of shows you how he's got the James identity in him, and he has the ability to stuff that stat sheet. And as, as the games go on here and he plays more minutes, which, by the way, he's playing Auburn in a week. So that'll be that'll be nice to see. Uh, hopefully he doesn't kill the Tigers there, but he might. But yes, yeah, so the important news in the college basketball world, we're at week six of the AP pool. And in the last six years, every champion from March Madness has come from the top 12 in the week six AP pool. So I'm just going to run through the top 12 right now and get your guys' instant reaction to see which team you, you think is going to take it here. So we got Arizona at one. Kansas at two, Purdue at three, Houston four, UConn five, Baylor six, a couple of Big East teams, Marquette and Creighton at seven and eight, UNC at nine, Gonzaga at 10, Oklahoma and Tennessee rounding it out at 11 and 12. What's FAU at like 13? FAU is 15. 
still th think they got a shot to at least make noise in, in March Madness, um, just based on their experience and still having a lot of guys back. But they uh, they have a lot tougher of a schedule this year, so that's why you know they could have leaked, looked a little shaky in spots. But I mean, it's just so hard not to pick UConn. They've been dynamic, electric. The guard plays stellar. The big men are just some of the best in college basketball. Um, obviously, you have Purdue and their guard play. Obviously, Zach Eady's still, you know, a, a college basketball unit. I don't know how he'll translate to the NBA, but at least for college basketball, as long as he's in a Boilermaker uniform, he's unbelievable. Uh, and then you have Kansas who is obviously stellar with the guard play and Hunter Dickinson is uh, probably the best big man in, in college basketball. If we had to say, obviously Edie's up there, but Dickinson's a little more polished with the offensive game, which I think gives him that edge. I, you know, Kansas, UConn, Purdue are all teams who, who do seem to have the juice right now. Uh, and obviously based on your little nugget and stat, the last six years coming from the top 12, looking at the top 12, those are kind of the teams I'm circling right now early in the year. But, uh, Jack, jump over to you, man. Is there a team or two teams you're maybe looking out for from that list? Brian uh, Brian kind of just provi provided with the, uh, with the stat there. There are. There's no doubt about it. There's two teams I really like in this top 12 right here. Um, I like the shout-out to FAU. I'm still riding with it. I still love FAU. But in this list right here, this top 12, the two teams that I'm really looking out for, one's going to be square. It's Arizona. I mean, they have looked like the best team in college basketball this year. Caleb Love, the transfer from UNC, it's, he's who everyone is talking about. It's because he's him. Uh, and this team is really that good. So, I love I love Arizona, love the Wildcats this year. And then also I like Houston. I mean, Houston is a, is a good program. We've seen them make deep runs before. Um, and I, I think that they can do it again this year. I really like the squad that they have down there. But that's that's who I'm going with. I'm going with Arizona, Houston, and always, of course, shout out FAU. Hell yeah. Brian, round us out. I know you asked the question, but we're dying to know who you're looking at. Uh, yeah, so of a week ago before this poll came out, I was I said UConn and Arizona would be my two teams. I'm happy to see they didn't fall out of this top 12. So, yeah, I'm sticking with those two. And I like the Houston pick, Jack. I won't uh, take them myself, but I do think they could be a sneaky team if they can score enough in March. That defense is just so good. But the sleeper team I'll give you in this top 12 is the Creighton Blue Jays. I'm between them and Marquette, but I think Creighton's the better team in that Big East just because of that trio of Trey Alexander, Ryan Kalkbrenner, and Baylor Shineman, all averaging over 15. The team scores 87 a game. They can outscore anybody, and the defense looks a little better this year. So those are kind of three out of these 12 that I think have, a, have an actual shot to win it all. Everyone counted out Creighton after Dougie McDermott, after Doug McBucket's <laughs> But here they are in our top 12. Here we go, baby. Creighton is back. I know you touched on Doug McDermott. Isn't Doug's father still the head coach there? Yep, Greg's still Greg's still coaching over there. Yeah, so they uh, you know, look out look out for Dougie McDermott to be courtside at some of these games this year and and maybe even obviously if they're making a run in the tournament, he's going to be there. Yeah, so obviously pretty big college basketball weekend upcoming. Um, you know, a lot of big games on the card. Top 10 matchups, top 25 matchups are, are on the card. I don't want to jump into it too quick because look out for Saturday morning. I'm going to drop a detailed specialized video 
running through some of the top games and giving out some analysis on which way I'm leaning, if you're going to bet the spread and if it's close on the money line, if you should take a money line one way or the other, I'll do my best to give that in-depth analysis and hand out some free lines. If you're looking to get some action, you don't know which way to go. I'll do my best to do the research and uh, and hopefully steer you guys in the right direction. So look out for that Saturday morning, right before the slate. You're going to have to catch it, you know, early Saturday, and you'll have a little bit of time to dial something up there. But at least I'll run through uh, most of the big games, give out some picks and which way I'm leaning. And uh, obviously I'll try to have one really big five-star heavy hammer play uh, for you guys on Saturday. So look out for that. It uh, should be an excited weekend or exciting weekend of college basketball. Obviously, we have NFL games on Saturday, so that'll kind of mix in with that as well as the ba- uh, college basketball slate is rolling on. We have NBA slates will be all weekend, but the NFL will probably dominate uh, Saturday afternoon and into Sunday. But other than that, that's kind of all we have. Uh, I don't have much to say, so I'll let you guys close it out. Thanks for tuning in and sticking with us. Uh, these shows are getting hectic because we're obviously MLB's over, but we're still in that sports equinox sort of kind of just a lot of worlds colliding right now in the world of sports uh, and, and a lot of big topics to take uh, to cover, which is why, you know, the shows run a little longer, but we love doing it for you guys. You know, we're taking the time out to give that analysis and hopefully win you guys some money for any picks we hand out. So, Look out for that. That's all I got. I'll shut it down with this. The Philadelphia Flyers are a wagon, and they're making the playoffs this year. And I'm very ready for after New Year's for them to go on like a 12-game losing streak and just absolutely crush everything I just said. But for right now, Flyers are a wagon. That's all I got. I'm out. Bad month to be a tag of Iloa. Auburn basketball kick Indiana's ass. Keep on rolling. More Eagle.